2: post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today
0: ash like it's going to be great for the university for them to lose four million dollars a year now they say there's some things they've you know calculated that they can they're going to make this they can make this work and maybe these renovations you know you can i know there's been we're going to get more details on exactly what they're planning um because from what i understand part of this ownership change also is going to is, – is changing some of the plans for the renovation because there were things the city wanted to emphasize that maybe the university doesn't necessarily want to emphasize right. in the renovations. And so, you know, and it's going to – you know, Laird Veach, I believe, on like a video they put out there, and we'll we'll get more details on it on our show later, but like this is going to be like in two or three phases, this construction. Like I don't think the the suites, if you will – those those suites on the on the press box side, the current press box size, are going to be the first thing they do. I think it's going to be you know, like I think it's more next year. Like I I've, I've been told like the press box will move to the other side next right. year, and that that'll be the first phase, if you will, doing that sort of stuff and knocking down the old press box. But again, they haven't released anything official in terms of a timeline. But I would also sounds yeah. like it's tight on twenty five though being ready. Uh, just from the, the way the money's going to come in and that the way... I, I think so, don't too. You? I mean, to me, if I'm them, though, you've got a home game against Arkansas in 2025. Yeah. I, I'm not saying you that, pointed it, that out, I'm right. not saying it needs to be done, but, like, next year it's going to be, like, a capacity of 25,000 in that place, basically. Um, and, like, you can't have that for the Arkansas game. Like, you've got to have a full stadium no. by then. And, like, again, it doesn't That's have to be completely done, right. you know, but, like, you need to have it... Functional enough you that by that up. point for the. I, I think that's the game you're kind of you're, you're targeting. You know, we're playing Tennessee in 2020 or excuse me, Arkansas in 2025, yep. and that's going to be a you know it's going to be a full house basically. Um, but no, it's exciting for the university. I, I give them credit. They you know they really push for this and um,
3: you know your partner it, doesn't seem to think they're going to be able to get much of that matching fifty. Well, Laird Beach sounds pretty optimistic. I must say.
0: Well, and I'll say this: when I did, I talked to Richard Smith. Uh, right before Christmas, for when we did, we named Fred Smith our Sports Person of the Year at the commercial peel, and what he emphasized to me was like, just because they're not just giving their fifty million dollar challenge gift and stepping back, mm-hmm. like they're invested in this too, in terms of like I don't know if they'll invest more money, but I do think they you know, they'll invest like. You need us to call someone. You need us to, you know, you know, like just yeah, Fred. Do we need to get on the Beach phone? So do it. we need to get on the phone and talk to some people? You know, because they, what's very clear over the history of the city is like when Fred Smith's involved, like the community tends to follow uh, in some ways. Yep. So, um, you know, and then I'd also, you know, I mean, it is going to be, it's still going to be the biggest, certainly athletics fundraising, fundraising effort they've ever done. And the the other question to that point is, you know. Is it truly, like, when it comes down to it, if they don't raise – let's say they raise $35 million instead of $50 million. Are the, is Fred Smith going to pull his – really pull his gift in that scenario? I, I doubt it. With how, he knows how important it is just to the, yeah, to the whole so, picture and
3: the Grizzlies and everything else. Yeah,
0: so, I, I you know, maybe they don't get the whole 50, but, um, you know, they got a year to do it. You know, it sounds like the $120 million will cover the initial the start right. the start of the construction and then you know and I'm sure there's like some bonds they could take out if they really needed to uh, as this moves along okay. so um, it, it's a it's a big moment for the university in the sense that the, you know this was something I want to say it was I was in the Atlanta when they first debuted this idea I was in the Atlanta Airport going to San Francisco for game six of of Warriors Grizzlies that's when they unveiled this and so we're talking you know, Two years later, you know, finally getting this thing, you know, where you're starting construction, it appears. Um, So I would say in that context, it's a big moment for this current administration. Laird Veach, Bill Hardgrave, like, you know, like, let's just be real. Like, there's not any sort of major thing Laird Veach had accomplished as, you know, I guess you could, you know, he hired Ryan Silverfield. Um, like, you know, and like, yeah, like he was newbie then. Actually. Yeah. But like, this is kind of the first major thing. He's kind you. of spearheaded yep, I would agree. this administration. I should say this administration has really yep. spearheaded together. And so there's a, uh, it is a big deal and I'm sure it'll, it'll look nice, but ultimately the impact of it in my mind is all tied to, cause that's, that's how they got this. That's how they got the state money. That's how they convinced you That's know right. all That's these right. people is like they said this part is going to get Memphis us into a bigger conference. this is right. part of us getting into a bigger conference so the only way this is a su- total success to me is if five, ten years from now Memphis is in a better conference yeah so and fair. we'll see there's a lot you know there's I've always said there are a lot more factors than just yes they needed to make the stadium nicer but there's always a lot more factors in this than just stadium yep. um and so we'll see um but it does feel like it has been a very I mean, what what I do think it caps off is a very successful like fall into January for the entire athletic department. You go from like you know, the football team no had you know its best season in five years, um, its best season under Ryan Silverfield, and is going into next year with a ton of momentum. The two soccer teams were really good in the fall. Yep. You got the basketball, the men's basketball team ranked in the top fifteen, and we're you know we're it's talking about. Yeah, like, Cal it's base. been a very successful six months or so. No question. For the university, and, and the stadium is part of that. Getting this stadium deal through all the political machinations and all the, you know, fundraising stuff, it looks like you can, it's right there now. You know, we're, they're going to be breaking ground soon, and, you know, hopefully two years from now, you know, it's going to look like a, at least on one half of the stadium, look like a new stadium, and that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun, and... um You know, maybe there'll be a really good football team playing, too, with the momentum they've got over at Memphis right now. Yeah.
3: Hopefully it all goes smoothly. Brother, appreciate you. i got to let you go. Right. Jeffrey, Jeffrey texted me said, I've had you on too long. <laughs> I'm kidding. He, he is Mark Giannato. Read him at CommercialAppeal.com. Listen to him. I'll have Laird Veach, Memphis Athletics Director, on this afternoon from 2 to 4 right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. That's right. He's a national yep. champion. Well, Memphis and others aspire to be, Mark.
4: That band cranks that thing up on repeat oh, on that game. Folks, oh my God, you never they get want the to hear mics the up there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on the TV well, broadcast. I, well, the,
0: yeah, our band was much bigger than theirs, too. Like, not just the, the crowd. Too. The band was wow. much bigger, too.
3: He is Mark Giannato. Yeah. He's the man. We're going to take a break, come back, run down. We got a lot. Darko, Rajakovic oh, yeah. going off. That's some audio you got to hear. We talked about Memphis basketball's back in action tonight. Bears not making a move. What's Vrabel going to do? A lot to talk about in the rundown. We'll do that when we get back. You listen to J&J, 929 FM ESPN.
4: Jenkins helping you beat the books with BetQL. The Celtics will put their perfect home record on the line as they host Minnesota tonight in Boston. The T-Wolves won the first meeting between these two teams back in November, The Minnesota is coming in having played in Orlando on Tuesday night. The BetQL five-star best bet not only likes Boston to stay undefeated at home, they also like the Celtics to cover the number as well. I'm Michael Jenkins. Bet smarter
0: and beat the books with BetQL and download the BetMGM app today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
5: It's the
0: Rundown with the biggest stories of the day from Jason and John on 92.9 FM ESPN. First story. Uh, No John Morant,
3: No Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, No Stephen Adams. No Brandon Clark. We know about those two. Uh, And no Marcus Smart after he left the game in the third quarter with a dislocated finger. And yet... The Memphis Grizzlies still come out a 120-103 winner against a Dallas Mavericks, a Luka Doncic-led Dallas Mavericks team that has frankly owned them uh, in the games that Luka played. he won 10 of 11, his last 11, I think I heard, was the stat against the Memphis Grizzlies. And yet, with this really skeleton roster uh, last night, you did have a stud at the top of it, in Desmond Bain scoring 32, the Grizzlies find a way. Uh, To get to 14 and 23 and 11 and 10 on the road. That's the crazy part of that. 11 of these 14 wins have come on the road. And again, you look at most of the best teams in the NBA. And uh, they're around eleven or twelve road wins. I don't. I don't know if anybody's gotten to twelve yet. Uh, eleven had been the high, but when Memphis was sitting there with ten, they go get another one and finish this road trip. I've called it, it had to be one of the most improbable three and zero road trips in Grizz history. You were underdogs in all three games, and by the second one against Phoenix, you were go- you were without Ja Morant. Uh, by the third one, you were without Ja Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., who missed his first game of the season. Uh, I don't think I'd realize that, that he had played in every game this year, missed his first game of the season last night, and you get not just the 32 from Bain, before Marcus Smart goes out, 23 points, his third straight game of scoring 20 or more points that had not happened in his career, so Marcus Smart, who we mentioned, been shooting the heck out of the ball the last three games, uh, we're, we're seeing an offensive, uh, an offensive surge from him that we've never seen through his career at a time they needed it, and yet seems like it's been injury after injury. John Morant was the last one we were trying to absorb, and Marcus Smart gets a dislocated finger. Now, Brad's right. You can normally pop those things right back in. It can be sore, but I it's something one. you can move on from. A lot of times we've seen guys, I mean, especially yeah. with the NFL, you pop it right back in, they go back out. I have, you have yeah, a dislocated finger? Well,
4: no, I had to pull it back out. Uh, you, Lionel Hollins famously has four of them. Um, and,
3: but one that apparently doesn't pop right back well, in because it stays out. If
4: you pop it back, this one here, you can see this this pinky finger. I don't mean to gross you out, but you can see how it's, it turns. It does have a little it's, turn. It's, it's, Got a, you got a little good. line L in there. When I hit a I hit a head on jumper cuz when you're in basketball if you play enough games and I know you play it's, it's you play not too you're gonna go head on and it's gonna go the opposite direction and you could see it when he did the 3 he did a 3 sign coming out of it and he's running back and the, the one finger is turned Yeesh, the opposite way and hit that 3 and he hit the 3 yeah. Yeesh. and And because he holds up a three sign with his last three fingers of his hand, and I'm like you can see one is clearly off. I'm going to tell you what. They they were
3: as galvanized as we've seen them, and a lot of that you figure, you know, when a guy goes down, it is. You have to circle the wagons, and a lot of times, you know, you, it, it ends up you give a better effort, But and, and we saw a great effort on the defensive end. But back to Marcus Smart, it wasn't just – it's not just the threes that he's been knocking down the last three games. I don't know if – for whatever reason – Uh, last night on the Bally's telecast, I was able to hear Marcus Smart going back and forth with the ref in a way that I I don't think we usually hear it that clearly. I think it was a foul call, in fact, on is either Biombo. I want to just mm-hmm. say it was Biombo on Luka Doncic where Biombo had fallen into him at the end. And Marcus is going crazy at the ref. Yeah. Defending his guy. He kept calling him my guy because he felt like Biombo was straight up yep. and that it shouldn't have been a foul call. But but just going on and on about it throughout the set of free throws and just sort of the way he was defending his guy. You saw the chirping going on between Bain and some of the uh, b- between Bain and some of the Mavericks. And then Tillman got into it yeah. too yeah. with some of the after he uh, made a block and was called called for a foul, but he kind of stood over uh, Kyrie Irving there. <laughs> yeah. But my point was, that was as galvanized as yeah. together a team. They had a swagger that you usually reserve that hasn't been there when John Morant's been gone. Yeah. And you still had John Morant on that sideline, but that was a, clearly a team that was together. And as I made the point in the first hour, I think you got to give Taylor Jenkins, uh, certainly those that have criticized him for uh, you know rotation decisions this year, feeling like there should be more with, again, your top-level talent as good yeah. as it is, you should be better than Six and nineteen. I, I I would just think those same folks would have to if they're being honest with themselves. Here's an instance where coaching did matter, where you were shorthanded, where you had a short deck, and literally you're down to just Desmond Bain out of the big three, mm-hmm. and you blow out a Dallas team that's getting 30-something points from Luka, 30-something points from, from Kyrie Irving, and you blow them out control them. You mentioned it. Season high, I think it was 18 offensive rebounds. So the energy level, for whatever, however you want to explain it, pressure's off, guys can go be free, whatever else. They were all together last night. Um can they continue that? Uh, again, this is a tough stretch still that you've got in front of you. I believe Clippers are next, and you're going to see a Knicks team that hasn't lost yeah. since it made the trade for OG on Obi, And so the competition level is certainly only going to remain stiff. The question is going to be, can these role players, these young guys, Marcus Smart, we'll see with the finger. Can they continue to play as well as they have, as particularly these last two games? Zaire, Vince Williams, you're getting contributions from everybody. Even saw Roddy. He had been on the side of a milk carton for the most part mm-hmm. here lately out of the rotation. He's back in last night, you know, getting you 11 points, including a monster dunk. So great night for the Grizzlies and, and certainly was a feel-good night uh, particularly for those you know that hadn't written off this team that weren't listening to us yesterday and don't want to start thinking about the draft or anything else want to continue to make this push or at least to the point that Mark would make about the tiger season just want to enjoy it right now don't want to hear that it's over or oh now we need to go out and lose was a great night for you sure. so I certainly certainly am happy for all Grizzlies fans again it's obvious there will be fewer of these moments because it, can you expect these role players to continue to play well? But for a night, and really for three nights, for a three-game road trip where you were an underdog in all of them, that was as impressive a stretch for the Grizzlies as I've seen in a long time. And again, have moved up now to ninth defensively because of the extra effort.
4: So if you go down the list, you start with Steven Adams, Brandon Clark, John Morant, you didn't have Jaron. That's four. Aldama six. was out.
3: Uh, and Aldama Santi was out. I didn't even mention that he was out. Adama was out for that game. You still got forty three from your bench.
4: You got basically three quarters from Marcus Smart. I, it's it's wild. I think it's, it's the, wild. Taylor called it the best win of the year. I think he's right. But you're probably
3: not going to get fourteen and eleven no. every night from Xavier and Tillman. In fact, we know you're not. You're probably not. With Zaire Williams, a credit to him, he's played well in the two games with John Morant out. It had typically been when John's on the floor is the only time Zaire plays well. Mm -hmm. You know, are you going to get another 14 from him? Uh, Roddy, again, 11. That bench um, really just mauled Dallas last night. It'd be nice if you could tell yourself, yeah, I could depend on that (laughs) going the rest of the way. But I also think it would would be foolish at this point. So my, my point, enjoy it. Enjoy the moments. Enjoy the fact that you, you you took this three-game road trip and you surprised us all uh, again because it could get hard again. I'm with you. My hope is that Marcus Smart will not be uh, out for an extended amount of time. That said, I'm still sticking to the plan I laid out yesterday. No, I, I ain't trying to drive Marcus Smart into the ground. Right. right? An asset, He's an whether, asset. Whether it's next year for yeah. you, as Mark Giannato wants to mm-hmm. see, or if it's as part of a trade piece, uh, I am not wanting to run, it. and I think last night's an example of that. Yeah, he, he's having the best stretch of his career offensively, at least for three games. Sure, he gets hurt because he's out there yeah. again, you know. And and I just think right now it's about preserving assets and improving assets. Uh, call it whatever you want, um, but again, the Grizzlies sort of shifted gears and playing all those young guys. They were in a spot last yeah. night where they had to with Jaron out, but I think we're going to see more of this, and we're going to see GG, and we're yeah. going to see Laravia. We're going to see more Zaire and more Roddy, and what I'll think what I think it'll all add up to in the end. And yeah, maybe some exciting moments from time to time but a draft pick that whether you use it to get a young guy or you flip it and give it to someone else that could be very valuable for yeah,
4: you. Yeah, as a fan, I hope we see more games like last night because winning is good and just having a, a, a you chance need it. at you these need games. It. So
3: you're not down, depressed after every dang but game. The, yeah.
4: But the other thing that we're not talking about is, sure, Marcus Smart's a, a, an asset. Your first-rounder's an asset. But, like, Vince Williams, if you're going to display him and you possibly might want to use him as a chip or a Zaire, you want them to play okay. well. well. Like, you want to put them out there and you, want, you actually want Vince Williams, balling out because these teams aren't stupid. They're it's, scouting. So. To,
3: to your point, it's one of the things I've said about the end of the Bears season. I'm just using the example yes. of Justin it's Fields. Same, exactly. You get him out there, go improve, go improve go let your him value. Down, yeah, let him you, kick you, ass. In and, and, and this case, you know the minutes now are <laughs> yes. going to be there. The pressure's really off because, again, no right. one's expecting you to make the plan. Go out and, and again, Forget for you. It could be for some other team (laughs) that decides, you know what, Jake Arabia is shooting that ball. We want to take a chance on him. We're willing to take him on. So it could help you in that sense improve those assets. Again, whether that's for you. Uh, at this point seeming unlikely for a lot of those guys or for someone else. That can help you improve assets. That's, That's right. I'm in an assets-improving mode. Right. And, again, that is le- that is easing up off these vets. You're still going to play them. You're not going to tell Desmond Bain or Jaron Jackson the tank and letting these young guys roll. Last night they let the young guys roll, and the sure. young guys played well. We will see if that will continue. The next one for the Grizzlies will be Friday. Uh, they're coming back home against the Los Angeles Clippers. It is crazy that this team has – that, that 11 of this team's 14 wins have come on the road. It's And strange. just three at home. And maybe
4: they're just more comfortable yeah. on the
3: road. I'm, I'm hoping for the, again, the, I, I was lucky enough to see one home yeah. win this year when we went to see yeah. the, uh, the Jaws return against the Indiana Pacers. I'm hopeful at least you can just get off the mat yeah. uh, at home in a way. And, and, hell, if they stay this hot on the road, and get up off the mat and just play average or, or decent at home, who knows? Maybe by the time we look up, they will have proven us all wrong, and they're close to the play-in by the time we get back. So uh, Memphis Grizzlies get the big win. Again, an unlikely 3-0 road trip. I wouldn't have predicted it. In fact, I, I was thinking 0-3. Uh, very, very impressive. You've got to give credit to these players and Taylor Jenkins. They circled the wagons, uh, and it was an outstanding effort last night against Dallas.
4: Next story. So this is the clip of the night, Darko Ravikovic, the the former assistant coach for the Memphis. You went Grizzlies. through that real.
3: I got to stop you. Look, you went through that last name real quick. Ravikovic. Ra, is it? It's Raja Raja Raja
4: I think so. He's the and former assistant wrong. for the Grizzlies. I, you and I don't. Have, I, you and I deal with these pronunciations differently. You, That's why I don't you, want to touch you, the you do draft. the very smart thing of saying, "Let me stop. I think I'm pronouncing this right." Yeah. Brad Carson is going to roll through I that. I see. Joker. Him just get through it. They, they know who you're talking about. Yeah. Well, Parth. Upadhyay is another one from the Daily Memphis. You
3: nailed it, I think.
4: Now I've heard other variations on parts. Upa- Upadhyay, and then he 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 stopped me the other day, and he was just, I'm just kidding, and I'm like, you get that a lot, don't well, you? Well, and yeah. and
3: um, you've got uh, DJ's name down, don't you? Uh, the quarterback that just transferred. Uyongale, yeah.
4: Bui Youngalay seems to be easier for me. Wemben Yama is pretty easy, right? Some of these can be pretty tough.
3: Well, especially the, the European pronunciations. But I think Darko Rajakovich, who we love, and him, yeah. frankly, last time we saw him, he was making us feel pretty bad because he was leading his Toronto Raptors to a win over the Grizzlies, one that had us technically feeling like a kind of a low point. Uh, yeah. Really, it was, it was where we were heading out onto this three-game road trip, just coming off that loss to Toronto.
4: He got hot last night. Last night, they had a chance to win against the Lakers. They came up short by one point. They lost the fourth quarter 44 to. 42 they lost 132 to 131 but the free throw disparity was outrageous and after the game this is what darko had to say about his toronto raptors against the lakers who obviously shot a lot more free throws thank you, everybody.
6: <clears throat> <clears throat> it's intense body language too thank you doug thank you doug that's what? that's that's outrageous what happened tonight this is completely bs this is shame shame for the referees shame for the league to allow this 23 free throws for them and we get two free throws in in a fourth quarter like how to play the game i all, i understand uh, respect for all stars and all that but we have star players on our team as well how's possible is scotty barnes who is all-star caliber player in this league, he goes every single time to the rim with force and trying to get, get uh, to, the, to the rim without flopping and, and not trying to get foul calls, he gets two free uh, throws for the whole game. How is that possible? How are you gonna explain it, that, that to me? They had to win tonight? If that's, if that's the case, just let us know so we don't show up for the game. Just give them a win. But that, that was not fair tonight. And this is not happening first time for us. Scotty Barnes is going to be all-star. He's going to be the face of this league. And what, what's happening over here if, during whole season, I've been holding you back. It's a complete crap. So that, that's the essence of it. It's
3: a complete crap. It's crap.
4: Part um, of the magic of it is something that you're about to, to – I, I don't want to interrupt you. No, but go right ahead. The accent makes it – Magical because it's the, you know, it's, it's, it's his, obviously his English is a little off. Am I, fa- I think that's fair to say. Um, I,
3: I do, I think the accent makes it great, more memorable. Makes certainly. it more yeah, powerful. Yeah, yeah. The, the way, the way he's saying, This is shame. You yes. know, you, well, you, I mean, it it's carry- sort of
4: like, what's the, what's the hammer, the former wrestler on Twitter that's famous, the Iron Sheik? The Iron Sheik. It's sort of what makes Iron Sheik awesome is that it's not like I the talk. Accent. Yeah, it's that, it's the, it's a little, little off. Yeah. You it, know, it, so it's it,
3: interesting. It felt like one of the, the, the what, was it a, a what did he did he said he said saddle up that's what Taylor said. Saddle Jenkins up was Taylor's line, yes. Before he went on a yeah, rant yeah, yeah. earlier this year. Saddle and, up, yeah. yeah, and it sounded like Darko saddle up, like this had been saddle building up. up. He yes. said it wasn't just this game there toward the end in terms of the sure. calls they're not getting, and you mentioned it like twenty three free throws to two in the fourth quarter of a one point yeah. game. I can understand, and again, this is a Lakers team that. Pretty sure led the league in free throw attempts last year in terms of reward. They love rewarding LeBron and A. D. Yeah. with free throws. I felt him completely I was with him in him terms that. of this. Yes, I mean twenty three to two yes. in one in the fourth quarter seems yes. absolutely yes. ridiculous. And so I didn't watch the whole game, but I don't need to. I know the Lakers get called no. and I mean get calls, and that seems like it just got extreme last night. And good for Darko. Yeah. He's gonna get fined and everything else, but in some of these cases, um you do. You are heard and the referees yeah. again will adjust. And and I think he was smart to do so, especially if it, he feels like this is something that's been you know, hurting them all season long in terms of the respect. And uh, Toronto is probably one of those teams yep. that doesn't get that star call.
4: Yeah, I feel him on that. If you look at how they played, they outshot them from a field goal percentage. Their three-point percentage was higher. Their turnovers were less. I mean, they had a chance and probably could have won that game. They might have gotten hosed, and I think that's typical with the Lakers. The other thing that I wrote down, the Scottie Barnes rant, though. Let's go there. I love Scotty Barnes, and Scotty yeah, Barnes he, is a great player. You don't need to tell us that Scotty Barnes is an all-world player when you do this. Well, though, I mean, okay? I mean,
3: you know, you know, those players love it though. You're, I know they're you yourself, him up. If you, call, my point is, if you call yourself a player's coach, yeah. you know, go out and in your guy and call him a
4: future all-star. You would lose me though. At Scotty Barnes is going to be an all-world all-star player, and like he's the the face of the league. I like, mean, like, Scotty Barnes is averaging twenty-one and he's nine it. and six. He's having a great year. Maybe he his best year, and he will be an all. And I saw it eventually. in Memphis when he played in Memphis. It was remarkable. Like I watched him, I'm like, man, he's good. unorthodox, no. and I think
3: that's why a lot it's different. of different. Like, he's big. Like,
4: they start him at the top of the key. Dude is he can, he's a very good player, and he might be. Darko is one of these guys who can get the most out of players. He did that with Bain because that was sort of Bain's guy. Like, well, he's good.
3: It endears him obviously to yeah. Scotty Barnes. And again, if you're 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 a first year head coach, you're trying to. Trying to have his locker room behind him. Sure, you know, it's a good look for you there. And again, I, I would tell you it probably does help with the referees. It won't help you in the next Laker game. They're going to always get the Lakers are always, Lebron's always going to get the calls. But in terms of garnering, the, garnering yes. the respect, he doesn't feel like he has right now. Sometimes you got to go on these kinds of rants. I'll so, take it a step I further. It.
4: I think that Memphis misses that dude. I mean, they are not some of their their stuff is not the same. I don't know anything about Dark, you know, Darko and his coaching style, but it does seem like some of our stuff is not the same this year as it has been in the well, past. Well, I
3: mean, remember they're running this five out where they're shooting a whole lot more threes this year right up there with a, in terms of three shot up there with the yeah. most taken in the league. And so it's a it's a different look. A lot, we're different volume offense. shooting.
4: That's where Marcus gets a night, though, like last night, though, because when you're volume shooting like that, if you get him up over 20 shots a game, like Mar- Marcus can have some of those nights. I
3: don't know if he can keep shooting this 41%. He shot the last yeah. three games, but it has been it has been phenomenal. Yeah. And again this was the spot that the Grizzlies envisioned him in. I got to be, I mean, I, while I disagree in terms of, you know, that, that you can't answer all your questions about your roster just because Ja isn't there, I, I mean, I, I, if there's an upgrade at the three for Marcus Smart, whether it's trade deadline or this offseason, yeah. I think you can do that now. Okay. I, I don't I don't think you have to because again if you wait until next season and then it doesn't work, well then you've only got one more year, Jaron Jackson right. Jr. Yeah. So my my whole point, no the, Marcus Martin might be indeed the answer, but he's never shot, you know, he's never scored twenties sure. and this was the this was the role they envisioned him in, filling in for Dylan Brooks, sort of being a fourth option. Yep. Again, when you have all three of your big three out there, uh, Brad he's not going to be taken this no, minute we shots. saw it we saw it he's that. not going to be taken no. you're not and you're not going to ask that of no. him but if there if there is an upgrade out there and you can get it by way of trading Marcus and a draft pick I'm not necessarily waiting until next year because, again, what if it doesn't work? Then you're down to just one more year of Jaron Jackson under contract. My point would be I would just be ready to make a move Mm -hmm. and what you're going to need to make a move like that. This is a Marcus smart that a a contender right now might say, you know what, we get him and he puts us over the top with the way he's playing, with the energy showing still defensively, with where he is in his career, the veteran he is, never made the playoffs. And, oh, by the way, we just said he shot 41% over this three-game stretch. This may be the best time. Sure. Eventually to trademark because he's playing well. I just wouldn't rule that out or say, "Well, I've got to wait till next season mm-hmm. to see it." That may very well be the answer, waiting till next season if you can't upgrade. But I would still be making all calls. And again, Marcus Smart looking real attractive right now, possibly to a contender with the way he's playing.
4: You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. I, you know what his stock. To your point, I think can only go. He's going to have nights like that. It can only go down in some. Right, respects. that's what I'm saying. Exactly.
3: Yeah, it, it it can only go down, and so this might be the best time. I actually think that's be a good point. Fielding calls a because point, a contender yeah. somebody that right now does have championship aspirations. I say, you top. know what? This he, year we're going to bring him in yeah. now because he can help us now. Not not a year or two from now. What yeah. are we? Nine seasons in for Marcus yeah, Smart, sure. body breaking down. But you see him playing at a high level. So again. For me, it's about improving assets, and yeah. if that's having Marcus Smart go through this three-game stretch, you know what? That looks good to other well, teams. Maybe they'll throw something at us. I just, I want to, yep. I want to have him available if I should need him as a trade piece.
4: Well, the Lakers have a ton of wings. What if they needed a defender for the playoffs, and they think they're interested in trying to maximize LeBron's last few years Could here, be. and they needed a wing? Somebody defender, like them, just a team know?
3: that's either trying to make a push or a contender that thinks, you know what? I don't he know, can know be a player, final piece. But, you know, we need more defensive intensity or a better, a better, uh, no. a top. Perimeter defender. Yep. Uh, that's all I'm saying. I'm not telling you Marcus Smart in this acquisition hasn't you. been great. Although I would still say, and Harrington's pointing this out, he's right. The jury's still out because that Golden State pick is looking real good right now. Yeah. And if Marcus Smart ain't helping you uh get closer to a championship, yeah. You know that 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 pick for Golden State, that thing that you gave to Boston, that now I believe Portland owns mm-hmm. because of the trade for uh, what Brogdon and everything else. Um, the jury is still out on whether or not this was the right move. It really still oh, is still in. Oh, I think that's easy. Absolutely. Now, again, yeah. Mark Smart played very well these last three games. Hopefully he will not be out long, maybe not at all with this dislocated finger. But again, I would not rule out the possibility of especially while he's playing really well, maybe if 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 such a team should come calling, the possibility of, of being willing to move on sure. from a Marcus Smart but I keep telling y'all, I mean this this you're not you, you might get to the play in but you're not making some dream push to right. the to to a uh, you know to the finals. So again, being ready for next season, if I can get an upgrade at that 3, I'd be uh, I'd be willing to do I just can hear about that. anything. only things off limits still at this point is 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 what we said is Jai, is Jaron, and his Bane. So that's that's where I'm at. Uh for Darko, we appreciate you. Yeah. Don't think it's going to work much in terms of when you're playing the Lakers, but hopefully crap. a little more respect for you and for Scotty Barnes cuz it's a crap. <laughs> Next story. All right. Number one, Purdue, and number two, Houston, fall last night. We won't spend much time breaking down the games, but it was pretty historic in the sense that for the first time since 2016, each of the top two ranked teams in the AP poll fell to unranked opponents on the same day. Now, for Purdue, they were just thoroughly handled by Nebraska, 88-72, to 72, uh, and certainly that was a shock for them. Now, for Houston, it was their first Conference road game as a member of the Big 12. Uh, Houston sitting there at number two, had not lost a game, and they were not able to, uh, a nice second-half comeback, but came up short, lose 57-53 to Iowa State, and we mentioned it, should the Tigers be on upset alert tonight, the Tigers who are number 13 and taking on UTSA down at FedEx Forum at 7, um, those two weren't the only two that lost. Colorado State, the only two ranked teams that lost, lost last night to unranked Boise State. Yeah. Uh, BYU is 0-2 in the Big 12 after they lost 81-72 uh, on the road to Baylor. So there were plenty of ranked teams, four of them, that went down last night. Um, Kelvin Sampson, I got nothing but respect. I I saw, I had a friend text me, well, this is a... This is Big Twelve living. Yeah,
4: this is what I was going to say that's the first it, thing that this, sticks this, out. This, this is, is the Big new world, world where living. you're going to get like,
3: knocked off. Kelvin on the road. Sampson, who was seventeen yeah. and one. I mean, and, and there's truth to it. Kelvin yeah. Sampson, who was seventeen and one last year uh, in the AAC, and yes, he lost to Memphis in the conference tournament, but beat them both times mm-hmm. in the regular season. Only lost to you. You know, it's 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 been pretty smooth for him the last few years. And yeah, you knock off West Virginia in the home conference, uh, in the conference opener at home. But yeah, Iowa State, who's seventeen at Ken Palm, um, I believe unranked, but the metrics like them. Iowa State knocks you off. I mean, it's going to be a different life in the Big 12 when you are taking on the Kansases and the Baylors and not the East Carolinas and the Temples. It just is. All of that said, Houston is still – I mean, most of the teams, and we saw it in football, you know, you make this transition, there's going to be a filling-out period, and maybe a period where you drop down. He's still got them – you know, number one in the country in defense, and I realize you've done most of that against the non-conference, but 17th in offense, they're as balanced as they've ever been. They're still going to be, it feels like to me, one of the top teams in the country even after this transition. Yeah. And remember here, there, there's a difference. You lose in the AAC, it can hurt you. It can drag you down, whatever else it is, because of the the, the, the quality level of, a, of opponent, pretty low. You're now right, the ninth-ranked conference in the country, according to Ken Palm, after being number eight the last couple of years. But... Lose to Kansas on the road, that ain't going to hurt you very much. That's the the one thing. Yeah, you'll have more losses in the Big 12, Mm -hmm. but those losses won't hurt you nearly as much because you're playing better competition. And frankly, you could also argue it's going to make you stronger come postseason time because you're playing better teams. So I'd still tell you it's a good life for Kelvin in the Big 12, unlike we've seen with some of these you know, in football programs that have made the transition over. Yeah. Um, but last night was certainly a wake-up call for them that it ain't going to be the, the cakewalk that it's been in the America in the last couple of years. Again, it was their first loss of the season – uh, Houston losing 57-53 to Iowa State, um, but I suspect that they are going to be a top-four seed by the time the thing is over, and you've got to give Kelvin Sampson all the credit in the world to be able to make that that jump from AAC to Big 12 and still be you know, a true title contender, feels like to me. Pretty impressive, but... That's the way he's been, man. I mean, they're, they're, you just don't see any fall off with Houston with Kelvin Sampson at the helm. It's pretty strong.
4: And he still has shed. His shed feels like he should be 25, 26 years old. Still got, uh, still got shed. Yeah. The The interesting thing, if you look at the box score, he's the is, guy that picked up litter one time. I remember a couple remember of years that. ago. I remember that after said, the game what, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the interesting thing is, Kelvin really only plays seven guys still. I mean, he's only. I know, and that's what. Yeah, that's, if you got seven good ones in college basketball, you can go to a damn Final Four with. Iowa's the same way. Iowa State played basically seven dudes. They only had two guys in the teens, and then the other two were scrap minutes. It's it's seven guys are on both sides. Yeah. Uh, as for tonight,
3: the, your University of Memphis Tigers, we mentioned it. Um, Penny has not been two and zero in conference play because he'd been one and four in conference road openers. Where he got past that with the Tulsa win, and then SMU, you were able to find a win, and so a chance here for a three and zero start. Remember. You know, the start here important because you're already talking about a Florida Atlantic team that's already suffered suffered one loss in conference play. So you can put a little bit more distance between them and you in terms of winning this conference. We touched on it yesterday. Penny said, feels like can't lose more than two conference games if you're going to win this thing. He may end up being right, although... We've seen for FAU clearly. You talk about a team making a transition; they're coming over from CUSA, and I realize their first losses to a former CUSA member that's come over with you in Charlotte. But they're going to go to the, some of these arenas they haven't been to mm-hmm. before, and uh, and we'll see if they can sort of hold up their end. If you're gonna if you're gonna need to be uh, uh, it's 18 conference games, you're gonna need to be 16 and two, or if you're gonna look down and FAU's sitting there with three or four conference losses, and maybe you got a little m- more margin for error. Back to the point: you don't want to play with it. Because in the end, what you, what matters is you know your conference record in terms of the selection committee. You know you don't want to lose more than I'm with Mark three games. But I do think you go 15 and three in this league, maybe one more loss than what Penny is saying. You're still going to be fine, even if I'm with Mark, even if it's a bunch of not a ton, but even if it's got a, a lot of close wins in there, as long as on the whole. You haven't dropped any games like tonight against UTSA, which is 285 at Ken Palm. You are going to be in a position for a top four seed. I completely agree with him. I think this this watching the the net and everything else daily. And no, I don't think that FAU should be rated in the 20s at the net and Memphis down in the 40s. But if you're if I'm with you on that, but if you're focused on that right now and not just oh man, if we take care of business for the full conference season, we'll be where we want to. I think you're going to drive yourself crazy. So hopefully tonight we're not driving ourselves crazy. Watching a close one that comes down again to a, a late three by Javon Quinley or David Jones. This UTSA uh, team, 331st in the country defensively. They don't force turnovers. They're you know uh, basically this is about you, Memphis, as opposed to the uh, to the to the front line or, or what UTSA has got. There's a this is a step down from even what you faced in the first two games in Conference Play. But we are not we are not Brad. We are not. Officially, I've called it. We are not on upset alert. No, I Although don't think so. Although you see, uh, you see in college basketball a lot of going
4: down. I got, Aren't, I got one. Go ahead. You got one more. I no, I was just going to say I'm more concerned about losing to the, the, the Wichita States of the world than worrying about FAU. Yep. You know, like s- s- this weekend's game.
3: Uh, always a tough place to play. Yeah, with Wichita State. No, they have not. They're not where they have
4: typically been or certainly were under
3: Greg Marshall, but that is definitely a losable game. Yeah. There's no question. Any game on the road uh, is in college basketball. Um, but Memphis, so far, to this point, and we're able to do it against Tulsa, we said they had been a tough spot for Penny, 1-4 in his first five years, and Conference Roadovers got to that one. Tonight should be pretty smooth. Next story. Alright, i got to talk about it. I'm disappointed, uh, but it is relevant because there will not be a coaching opening with the Chicago Bears. They uh, mm-hmm. Adam Schefter reported this morning... <laughs> The Bears are keeping Matt Eberflus, are you no sad about Mike Brabel dream for me. It it made me literally sick to my stomach yeah. in the immediate. But Brad, I'll tell you why I think it might still be okay for my Bears. They are firing mm, everybody. Their offensive coordinator, Luke Getzey, and it also appears they are moving on from their quarterbacks coach. And so follow me here. Yes, they're mm-hmm. keeping their defensive minded head coach who came over as the DC from the Indianapolis Colts and the defense. Did get better this year. I would tell you that was more a result of the Montez sweat trade than it was anything Iberflus was doing scheme-wise or anything else. But from only 10 wins in two years, but you can make the case for Iberflus, again, a defensive coach, that his defense was solid by the end of the year. Here's where I want you to follow me. Are you firing your quarterback's coach and your offensive coordinator if you're keeping Justin Fields? It doesn't feel like it to me. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, because again, this would be we're talking about a third offensive coordinator would be for Justin Fields in his fourth year. If you're keeping him, right? If you're gonna, if you're, you're so let's just, let's just go with this. You are going to yeah, keep Justin okay. Fields, but you're gonna give him a third offensive coordinator in his fourth season and okay. tell him go out and uh, uh, tell go out and make the playoffs for us next year. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is why after again initially, oh no, we're not we're, you know we're not gonna get Mike Vrabel because we're keeping Matt Eberflus. I'm I'm I feel like. This is also a sign that the Bears are going to do what I think from a personnel standpoint, you still have to. My immediate, Brad, was they're keeping Eberflus. They're keeping everybody. Yeah. They fooled themselves into thinking you've gone from three wins to seven, and you've really improved. Oh, no, they're keeping Justin Fields. But you're not firing. it. it My gosh, if if there's any common sense in that Chicago Bears front office, you are not firing the offense quarter and quarterback's coach and giving a new set of those to Justin Fields going into his fourth season. Justin Fields, you're still trying to figure out what he does well, what he does not, which we know he does. He's not a great pocket passer. So, uh, again, back to the logic. I'm fine with keeping our head coach if the move is – move on from Justin Fields and this new OC and this new quarterbacks coach will have one of the quarterbacks out of the draft Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels is moving up it feels like by the day last month I looked at had him at number 3 behind Drake May my point is I I think this is a sign not that the Bears are sticking to script in terms of coach I think it's a sign that the Bears are moving on okay. from Justin Fields are going to get another quarterback they defensively, you're rewarding Eber are keeping him. Even though this is not the GM's hire here, this head coach, I'd rather have Mike Vrabel. I think it's a sign that the Bears are going to do the right thing here and move off from just field. you really going to give him a third O.C. No, in four years? No. Is that? No. That feels counterproductive. Bad. That, that would be, be counter f- right? You've Telling run, him, yes. go figure it. Let's figure out this new mm-hmm. offense in your fourth season. We're committed yeah. to you you've done the next two years. That, that wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. So I think the writing He's gone. on the wall. No,
4: is, Justin's it, gone.
3: I think it is. And and the fact that you can get, most are believing a second rounder for Justin. Yeah. Remember, the Bears don't have one. They traded it for Montez Sweat to the commanders. And so seems I, I think I can feel okay and not be so sick mm-hmm. about not moving on from Matt Ibraflus because it looks to me. If you're firing your OC, your quarterback's coach, you've decided we're gonna go get another quarterback. Yeah. And I again, let's talk about what you could do. You could go get an Eric B. Enemy.
6: Okay. Know? You could, like go, you,
3: you could go get, an, and you might not like this one so much, but I still do, you could go get an Arthur Smith just fired from the Falcons. Did a fine job for the yeah. Titans beforehand. I know it's not as sexy, but still again, it's a former head. don't let him pick the quarterback. It's a former head coach. I See, I don't think from a personnel standpoint he had the final yeah. say on that. Now, he probably, the Ritter would have, thing he probably went him. ahead and yeah. went with it, Ritter yeah. at the end, but he never had a quarterback. Yep. Here's a chance to be coaching Caleb Williams or Drake May or mm-hmm. Jaden Daniels. You know, my... my Go get an OC yeah. that's proven yep. or that's got some kind of outside the box uh, 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 stuff that's working, and this can still work. Sure. So, so uh, listen, Matt Eberflus, you've only won ten games in in two years. You know, you're you're you're. I would consider you fortunate to be keeping your job, but I still think the plan can go well here if the writing on the wall is what it, what I think it suggests that the Bears are going to be moving on from Justin Fields, and rightfully, I, I'm I'm glad he'll get sort of a new. Uh, environment, a new place to actually, you know, have a career. Um, but I'm also glad Bears could be getting a second rounder for him, and maybe a top notch OC to put to put with this new quarterback. Yep. And you're taking off next season. I have not seen so. So as far as I'm concerned, because the Bears thing didn't come open the way I've got to count now. If you include Vrabel, we're at six. Unless anything is broken here this mm-hmm. afternoon or within the last few minutes, we are at six head coaching openings in the NFL right now. Uh, we'll see if there is a seventh with the New England Patriots later this week. But Bears uh, Bears will be keeping Matt Eberflus. And I'm still hopeful that um, there's an opportunity to go get a uh, outstanding OC, pair him with a, an outstanding quarterback out of this draft, and maybe my Bears are bouncing back next year.
4: I think they got to get rid of him because if you watch what happened with C.J. Stroud, if you get the right quarterback, it can happen Overnight. It's like a totally new program.
3: Burrow is another example of just how the culture was completely changed for the for, for a franchise when Cincinnati goes out and gets Burrow. Yeah. Uh, Defense the, is good. It was the same thing, and it's a more recent example with C.J. Stroud. You go from three wins last year to ten winning the division. In the playoffs. And you've got everything going for you. And so the, I'm glad you put it that way because if we're still asking the question, it should Justin Fields be the guy after three years –
0: no. You've already got your
3: answer. No, we know the because answer. Because Joe Burrow went in, changed it immediately. C.J. Stroud went yes. in and changed it immediately. That can happen. Yes. And I thought Mel Kuyper put it the best. The Bears need to be, they've got a chance to hit a home run here. Yeah. With a Caleb uh, Caleb Williams, maybe it's Drake May, whatever it else. With Justin Fields, it's a double. Yep. You know, maybe, maybe it's even it ends up being a single, but you have to hit you take though. the shot at <laughs> yeah. the home run. And you gotta hit because again the ideal situation for GMs is to have that rookie yeah. to be a contender while you've got that rookie quarterback on that rookie deal, five years of control, sure, you yeah. can throw all the money and all this cap space yeah. the Bears have, you can throw it at the rest of the roster. Go ask the 49ers how that's working out for them. It's fantastic. They don't have to pay Purdy barely anything, <laughs> and they can use that money elsewhere. It's the, fan, it's the dream scenario. Sure. The Bears have a chance to get somebody that's much better than Purdy, and you'll have him on that five years of uh, – a of control. And so um yeah, Bears are sticking with their guy. We'll still see what happens with uh with Bill Belichick uh coming up. There's no question about it. I all eyes certainly still on that one as we await word uh from Robert Kraft of what the uh, what the Patriots are going to do because that's that's a situation where obviously I mean whether it's Mike Vrabel or just with the history of everything, with what Kraft's you know, his history, I mean I just think I, I know Justin Herbert's attractive, but um I'd imagine there's gonna be a lot of coaches that want that Patriots job. That's just that's just my that's just my thinking because if you're in
5: this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
2: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
3: Good with Kraft. It could mean security for who knows how long. Yep. You know what I'm saying? If you yes. do a good job for Robert Kraft. Uh, you, you've got probably long-term security. So I imagine a lot of folks are going to want that one. That one and the charge is probably the two most attractive. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. we got to take a break. Um, Taco Bell is doing something. You know I'm a connoisseur of the fast Best food foods. menu. Yes, yeah, you're. And a guy. Taco Bell is doing something. Uh, I must tell you about it. We're not done talking tigers mm. and grizz and uh, sports here in Memphis. Uh, we'll do all that when we get back to listen to 92.9 FM, Yes, ESPN near you. Wrapping up at hour number two here on j and j and about three hours ago, the University of Memphis football program announced that Ryan Silverfield has added Lou Esposito. To his coaching staff, he's going to serve as the co-defensive coordinator and defensive line coach, uh, co-defensive coordinator with Jordan Hankins, who was promoted from linebackers coach to defensive coordinator after uh, after Memphis's Liberty Bowl win and was a super impressive defensive effort. He's going to Hankins going to have a little help, uh, and we mentioned that Lou Esposito is a former Tiger as Ryan Silverfield. Uh, remarked in, in the release, a former Tigers coming home, and he will have a great impact on our defense and our program. Uh, Esposito played four years, was a four-year letter winner on the offensive line and served as team captain here at Memphis in 1999 and 2000. More importantly, it spent the past seven seasons as the D coordinator at Western Michigan. It also served as defensive line coach, uh, from 17 to 19 there before shifting to defensive ends for the 2020 campaign. So he's happy he's coming home. Ryan Silverfield's putting a little help in the room with Jordan Hankins in terms of that first year uh, as D.C. So you'll have a co, um, co-defensive coordinator situation for a – uh, a Memphis defense that we have mentioned time and time again wasn't close to good enough last season. Now, much improved, obviously, like we talked about in the bowl game where you gave up no rushing yards uh, in that game with a a new defense that you'd install pretty much in nine days. Um, 111 is the number that Memphis was. 111 out of 133 uh, schools in defense. And that, that it did for a team that was, for a program that was 10th offensively, it was that defense and um, that couldn't, at times, get the stop. I know there there were important stops in, in, in against SMU, and if yeah, if Hennigan had thrown one more touchdown there, maybe you're getting that win, and and maybe you're 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 in an AAC title game. But in the end, you saw it whether it was the defensive backs not turning around on, on balls or whatever else, there were fundamental issues with this defense. And then, again, you look at the numbers, um, you were as bad as it gets for the most part. So you're just trying to get to an average defense, and you've charged now Esposito and Hankins with doing that. I've got, you know, for, based on what we saw in the bowl game, you know, I'm uh, quietly confident about, you know, the the system. Obviously, personnel-wise, you're going to have to go out uh, and replace some guys in terms of the transfer portal and everything else. But what what – I I guess where I'm at now is that you know, Ryan Silverfield, we said a couple of years ago or coming into this season, said he had to fix the offense. It wasn't explosive anymore. It got into a point where it was stagnant and did. Now you're charged, okay, it's the other side of the ball. You fixed offense. It's top ten in the country, and you're bringing Seth Hennigan back. You've just got the, the charge now is to get this defense from 111, like we've mentioned, into the 70s, the 60s. Heck, if you can be better than that, that's that's outstanding. Uh, and maybe it means you're, you're in the college football playoff next year, but the charge is simple. You fix the defense. You've got teams like Florida State on the schedule next year. There's an opportunity to be special. And, they, again, if you can get it from bad to average, uh, it's an improvement for Ryan Silverfield, who, again, when charged with you got to fix this, has been pretty good on getting it fixed. And certainly I'm in agreement with Mark. I mean, they have built momentum. They've got this thing in a position now where you are in position to take over an AAC that no longer has Willie Fritz at Tulane. Uh, SMU is gone. You well, coming off a of 10-3 and three, Record have a lot of 10-3 and three season, have a lot of momentum, and that starts right at the top with bringing Seth Hennigan back. Uh, get this defense fixed with Esposito and Hankins, and, yeah, you could be talking about a special yeah. year next year as as opposed to just a, a good one, and certainly that special would include uh, making the conference title game
5: and winning it. So both- This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?